Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, the last part, 11 through... Uh, 22. So Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Before I start reading that, I'm going to go ahead and pray uh, before we start. Father, we come before you today. Uh, we are your church uh, being built up into your temple. Father, I pray that you would help us to remember where we've come from, um, where we are now, and where we are going where we are growing, how we're going to be built up. Father, I pray that you would help us to see these areas and be encouraged by them and grow. Um, I pray for myself as I speak that you would stop any words that would be uh, displeasing or dishonoring to you. Father, that your word would be spoken today and that your church would be encouraged. Uh, that we would be built up uh, as, as your temple. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Like I said, uh, why don't, uh, I would a- invite you to stand as uh, I read this passage. And actually, I'm just going to read all of chapter 2 just because it gives a little bit of context to where he's, where he's coming in. Excuse me. <clears throat> And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then our passage today, we come to the section of the passage that I'll be speaking on. It says, therefore, because of what, what we just talked about, because... You are saved by grace through faith. You are workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You may be seated. I was, um, excuse me, I got a little phlegm in my throat. It doesn't quite want to doesn't quite want to move where I want it. Um, But I was thinking about uh, division, hostility. And uh, I feel like one of the places we uh, just visually see division, uh, well, well, maybe not one of the main places, but you could think war, right? There's division in war. There's uh, I don't know. There's sides, the the good side and the bad side or... um, but one of the areas I, I see it in my, in my life is probably more so with my family. I come, uh, most of you know uh, that I come from a fairly large family. Um, my mom birthed 11 kids. I'm the last of them. And um, uh, yes, I was the angel of the family, <laughs> if you were wondering. But... Um, but within the family, you know, you go to get uh, gatherings of family, and you want to get family together, and it doesn't always work out how you plan. I mean, a lot of it's, uh, there's division of distance, right? We live in, a lot of my family lives in different states. It's not, you know, it's not feasible or ideal to get everybody in the same place at once. Um, there's also maybe hurt feelings between family members, they don't want to be around each other. There's division there, right? Um, maybe, uh, maybe you just don't get along with your siblings. <laughs> There's nothing specific. You just, you know, you got different personalities. And, you, you know, you don't really care to hang out with your brother or sister. But there's these obvious uh, divisions and separation um, that we can have in our family, and I, um, and I can see that in my own family, you know, and, but I'm also part of another family, right? I'm part of the family of God. I'm part of his church, right, who has been saved by grace through faith, and um, in this section today, Paul is speaking to Ephesian believers, uh, and most of them would have been Gentiles, not Jews, if we're gonna, if we're gonna go there. And, but he specifically addresses, um, addresses the Gentiles here in 
verse 11. Um, He says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So Paul's speaking to the Ephesian Gentile believers and he calls them to remember something. He calls them to remember a past time. Calls them to remember a time BC, before Christ. Right? And who did they used to be? I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna uh, use you guys a little bit, a little bit here, because there's some obvious things here. Who does Paul call them to remember who they were? I think that came out wrong, but what are some things? Gentile, okay, they're Gentiles, yep. What else? Strangers, yeah, strangers to the covenants of promise, specifically. So it says alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, having no hope and without God in the world. You were separated from Christ in verse 12. Yeah, there's all these, all these different things, right? And again, he's speaking to Gentiles. So there were the uncircumcision, the, um, the Jews um, or the Israelites were the covenant, uh, were the ones who received the covenants of promise from God, received the Abrahamic covenant, you know, the covenants to Moses, David, right? These were all specifically to the Israelite people, God's chosen people. And he points out to the Gentiles that there's this difference, that you guys didn't receive. the co- You were not a part of the covenants of promise. You were not God's chosen people. You're separated from God. In fact, you're separated, you were separated from Christ. He had no hope. So Paul calls these believers to remember a time when they were separated from Christ. Um, And uh, this is not quite a repeat, but a little bit familiar. In the beginning of chapter two, he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the heart's of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. There's this separation between Gentiles and, uh, and Jews. But there's also this separation uh, from God because of our sinful nature. Na- our sinful nature. So if you believed on Christ, I'm going to call you to remember the time before Christ. Time when you were separated from God. Time when you were living out the desires of the flesh and in sin. 
a time when you had no hope. And Paul caused these believers to remember it too. And we'll kind of see a little bit why this is, why this is important. Um, But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, you who were once far off, oh, there's another one, they're far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is gonna be kind of my next point. The cross of Christ brings peace between his people and the world. So in these next few verses, 14 through 17, Paul shows the Ephesian believers how the cross of Christ has broken down the wall of hostility and brought peace to both Jew and Gentile believers. Those Gentile believers were those who were strangers of the covenant of promise, right? So the cross of Christ brings peace between his people and the world. We'll read verses 14 through 17. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So what, what is this wall of hostility in, in verses 14? It's obviously not a physical wall like the one um, the previous president was in the process of building. Not a physical wall, right? Not, um, not a, uh, I don't know, uh, a, 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 yeah, not a physical wall. We'll just leave it at that. But it is characterized I believe this wall of hostility is characterized by their past, what they were called to remember. The division between the Gentiles and the Jews was what we just went over, that they were the uncircumcision. They were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. They were, had no hope without God, they were far off. That's, that's a pretty good wall. That's a pretty good uh, wall of division right there, of, of separation. God had a chosen people who he gave his covenants to, who he stayed close by, who he dwelt among in his temple, the Gentiles didn't have that, right? So there's this wall of hostility. So what, how, does, how does this wall of hostility get taken down? It gets taken down in the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? Verse 13, but now in Christ... You who were once far off, the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
Jesus fulfilled the covenants of of the Old Testament in his work on the cross. He fulfilled the law. He was perfect with no sin. He took the punishment and the wrath of God that you and I deserve, that Jews and Gentiles both deserved, right? He fulfilled he fulfilled the law And now we are brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. He has made us, made us both one. In verse 15, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So now there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is a new man. There's a new man in, in those who have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We talked about this a little bit already. He did it by abolishing the law of commandments. He, Jesus did not come to, per se, abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Um. And we know that Paul calls the law good in Romans 7.12 and 1 Timothy 1.8. We know that the law is kind of is a, helps us see our need for Christ, helps us see who we are, that we are not perfect, that we do sin, that we do wrong, that we need a savior, somebody to take that weight of sin from us because we cannot take the wrath of God on us ourselves. These commandments, the Old Testament, right? Given to the Jews specifically, the covenants were given to the Jewish people specifically. Again, he's speaking to Gentiles. And so his emphasis here is that it is no this this law of commandments is no longer an added separation of the Jews and Gentiles right? because Christ has fulfilled it. Now, now there's a connection of salvation through Christ. Right? Now there's a commonality here between Jews and Gentiles. There's not this separation. There is now a commonality and it is found in Christ. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. There it is again. Reconcile us both. And this isn't just to each other, but to God 
in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So, if you were a Jew in that time, you might think, I am God's chosen people, right? God has sent us the covenants. And then Paul sends this letter that says, no, in fact, in Christ, he has brought in the Gentiles. He has brought in the rest of the world, right? What was that? I said before, the cross of Christ brings peace between his people, I guess his chosen people and the world does that in the work of Christ. He restores restores, reconciles us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So no longer is the, I'm going to go with this, the example I just used. No longer is the Jewish person thinking, I'm the one who received the covenant. I'm the one who received the promise. I should be the one who is uh, receiving God's blessing. No, but now the Jewish person can say, Christ has fulfilled the law that I could not do that my Gentile brother could not do. And now I can embrace, I can embrace my brother, right? That there is now peace. There is a reconciliation. There is a friendship that happens. There is a joining, a melding, reconciliation. Christ breaks down the wall of division and hostility between the Jew and Gentile through the cross through himself. But you and I don't really deal with that today, do we? I mean, most of us are, would be considered Gentiles. We're not Jewish people, right? Well, how does, I guess, how does this apply to us, right? Because we know that because of the cross of Christ, that the law and the, and the covenants have been fulfilled, and now there's a new covenant through Christ. So how do you and I use the cross of Christ to break down the walls of division among each other? Are the walls of division among our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Some might think we're superior, I don't know, a superior Christian, or I grew up in the church and I know more, or Um, I am a part of all of these different um, ministries within the church and um, I don't, I don't have, I don't have time for other people. You think you're better. Maybe it's a different denomination. Some secondary beliefs are different. So you can't, for some reason, you can't get along with them, right? There's a division there. There's a, there's a hostility there. Maybe those who profess faith in Christ, profess faith in Christ, but don't seem to be living it out, those are really hard ones to deal with. And there is a division there because of sin. But how do we make peace, or how do we attempt to make peace with our brothers 
and sisters who might not be walking in faith, right? I did say that the cross of Christ brings peace between his people and the world. How are we bringing the gospel of peace to the lost? To those who don't know the story of the cross, who don't know of God's salvation for them, right? How is the cross bringing about peace in these two areas of our lives? Within, within, our, within the church, within the body of Christ, are there divisions? Why are there divisions? Can we... We should be able to figure it out because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, because Christ has broken down a wall of hostility. He brings peace. The next point is the cross of Christ brings peace between us and God, which I think is actually foremost important. Um, First and foremost, before it truly brings peace to, to others. In verse 16, we already mentioned it, reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. And verse 18 says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Not only are we reconciled to God, brought into a friendship with God, but we have access to him through the spirit. There and through this, Through this spirit, we should, as the church of Christ, have a a unity between us because of the spirit that lives in us. But if you've not believed on Jesus Christ, you are at enmity with God. You are separated from God. You, You do not have hope. At this time, you are without Christ. And because, of the, because the cross of Christ brings peace between us and God, I would call you to repent and come to the cross So without the cross of Christ, there is a separation from you and God. So Paul tells the believers to remember their past before Christ, who they were before Christ came. So he reminds them of their past, and then he tells them how the cross of Christ has brought the peace of God or peace with God and peace with his people. A new man is now created, a melding of Jew and Gentile, which you and I take a part of. So then, verses 19 through 22, Paul calls the believers. So he called them to the past. He called them to remember the past. Now he's gonna kind of call them to the present, show them who they are and who they are to become. 
and who they are to become is a holy temple built on the foundation of Christ. So I guess the next point of the next section is Christ is the foundation on which the church becomes the temple of God. Christ is the foundation on which the church becomes the temple of God. So we saw who they were. I already went over that a couple of times. Now let's see who they are now, who Paul reminds them of who they are now. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So that's who they are now. They're not, they're not strangers. They're not aliens anymore. In fact, they're fellow citizens with the saints. They are of the church of God. They are brothers and sisters in Christ, members of the household of God. And this household of God is built kind of around, I guess, two or three things here. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Um, The prophetic books of the Bible, right? The prophets, the Old Testament, the word of God, and also the word of God preached through his apostles, right? So there's a foundation here. But that cornerstone, cornerstone that the rest of the foundation is built upon, that this structure is going to be built is Christ, right? The cornerstone is Christ. Members of the household of God and our foundation is Christ, right? So this is who they are because of Christ, but they're still supposed to become something. They aren't, they aren't finished here. They haven't just become members of the household of God or fellow citizens with the saints, and they're done here. Verse 21, it says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. There's a joining together that, that needs to be happening There's a growing that needs to be happening, right? In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. There is a building that is happening. It's not poof. There is the building, right? I'm sure Ray... Ray knows that it takes a while to, you know, you do new construction. It takes a while to build a house. Yeah, start with the foundation. That's good. For the church, our cornerstone is Christ. Our foundation is the word of God, right? But now we're going to be growing into something, right? There's something that God is working on in you and me. And it is to be a temple in the Lord, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I want to turn to 1 Peter 2. 
First Peter chapter two. Verse four, it says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. This really passage really comes alongside. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And that cornerstone is Christ. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Again, he, in Peter shows kind of does the same thing. He kind of shows them who they were. You were not a people. Now you are a people. You are, yeah, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood is who you are to be. And then he urges them as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul, right? So Paul reminds the Ephesians who they were. He reminds them who they are. And he again reminds them who they are to be. That they are to be growing, that they are to be striving. To be a dwelling place for God. It's a process. And the work isn't complete, but it will be worked out by the Spirit, right? I think it's by the Spirit. So Ephesians, kind of the beginning of Ephesians, talks about who Paul really drills into them, who they are in Christ, right? In this section, we kind of talked about that. In the last section, in the last part of Ephesians, he kind of tells them what they are to do because of who they are in Christ, so we're going to look at Ephesians 4 real quick. Ephesians 4, we're going to kind of jump down to You know, we'll just we'll just start at verse 1. It says, "I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called." Think about what he's saying and, and what you and I are to do as we build one another up, as we seek to be a temple of God, right? So listen to what he says. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bam, that's a lot right there, isn't it? 
eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And that was a big part of what we were talking about, right? Unity, the bond of peace that's come through Christ. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we've, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens and that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is also a lot right there. It really gets into spiritual gifts, right? That you and I should be seeking to use and not just seeking to use them, but using our spiritual gifts, If you're a teacher, teach. If you're a shepherd, lead. If you're an evangelist, evangelize. Right? We are to work together in unity to build up the body of Christ, that we may become mature so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Mm. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You and I are to walk worthy, walk in a manner worthy of our calling, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. We don't like to do that because of those divisions. We need to get past that because of the cross of Christ and what he has done for you and me. I heard a, heard a message this morning at Cosmopolis Gospel Chapel. It was on the parable uh, about forgiveness. And forgiveness is such a hard thing for us to do when there's, when there's a division. And we're called to forgive because Christ, God, well, God the Father has forgiven us so much that we should forgive the, the, the little things, I guess you could say in comparison. Christ has given you a spiritual gift and you are to use it to build up the body of Christ. How are you using that gift? 
I know I catch myself, uh, I, I can't say one of my resolutions, but I guess kind of one of my resolutions is to watch TV less. Like really cut down on it. Because I spend a, some, honestly, I spend too much, way too much time. And it, and it ends up being a waste of time, right? Um, I'm not really using my gifts. I'm not practicing a skill. I'm not. doing it for the glory of God. We're to be practicing and using our spiritual gifts. And when we're doing that, I think we are speaking the, we, I mean, we, we need to practice speaking the truth and love and, as well. But when we're using our gifts to build up the body of Christ because we love God and we love our brothers and sisters, what's gonna come out of our mouths is speaking the truth in love right? We, the church, are being built into a temple, the dwelling place of God, and each of his people are being joined together, and it all starts with Christ. And then to you and me and to the people that we disciple and we bring into the body of Christ, so you've remembered who you are or remember who you were before Christ. I have reminded you of who you are and who you are to be. And so I would encourage you to work that out as we seek to build the temple this year, right? As we seek to build the church of God and equip one another and build one another up. Let's close in a word of prayer.